Hey everyone, this is David Dearman from Memphis Tabernacle, and I wanted to encourage you today with one of the messages that we had at our prophetic weekend this summer with Pastor Nick Goff. It was a great time together to come and hear about listening to God's voice. I'm not sure what you've been taught or what you believe about this, but I want to encourage you that God still speaks today. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and the voice of a stranger they don't follow. And then over in Romans chapter 8, it says that those who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. God still speaks to us today. He speaks through His Word, and He speaks to us by His Spirit to our spirit. I know you're going to be encouraged by this message, so let's open our hearts now and listen in. The sinner is saved by grace, but we really don't focus on what happens when we become a new creation? What is that new creation? And as Hebrews chapter eight says, under a new covenant, if there's a new covenant, the old has passed away and is becoming obsolete. So what does it look like to become this new creation? Well, my Bible says, and I think yours probably says the same things, these signs will follow those who believe. Now, when I talk about believe, you do the thing that you believe and you act upon the thing that you believe. Many years ago, I used to be a long distance runner. And I remember the first time I went on a road run and I was doing good, but the next day I came back and I felt like, oh my, I can't even move, right? And, and I had to go on a road run. That's, that's when you, you know what vitamin I is. You know what vitamin I is? That's called ibuprofen. And when you know an ibuprofen, that's literally a, a Latin word for ibuprofen. And that next day, I remember getting out of bed and I made the choice, I'm going to get up and run again. And the same is true with the gifts of the Spirit. The Bible dictates our attitude with the gifts of the Spirit. Starting in 1 Corinthians 12, I don't want you to be ignorant, uninformed about the gifts of the Spirit. And then he's going to come into 1 Corinthians 14 and he's going to say, earnestly desire these nine gifts. And earnestly desire is to be passionate for. It's to be committed for. It's like, Lord, I'm going to do this because you said it. Now, why would I do this? Because, ladies and gentlemen, we are in a time where the traditional church thing is not really working too well. We are in a time where George Barnes says that of those who are following Christ, the Christians, the church, only 6% have a biblical worldview today. And I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you because sometimes you look at a person like me and you're like, wow, that's Nick. But I want to tell you why you're looking at 40 years of ministry and I've only gotten this far. <laughs> that ordinary people can do extraordinary things. I want to show you a video just to encourage you. This is a Marion Engineering's church and you know Marion in Arizona. And the reason I'm going to show you this video is this man's going to come in with braces on his legs and somebody like a weekend we just got done just dared to pray for him and I'll flip the video on for you right now and hopefully it will play and if not, I'll continue to preach. He was like Forrest Gump. Like he was running, like he was running the whole camp and just some guy decided and he's like showing everybody like I came in with these braces and I'm throwing them away, is that awesome? Yeah, that is so cool. So what is normative new Christianity? Well, my Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if anyone, can we say anyone? Is in Christ. He is a new creation. Just say, I'm a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. 
And so I'm going to talk to you about what does that even mean? New things have come because my Bible's going to say in, 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 in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. That's not a feeling. That's not an emotion. That is a spiritual reality that Christ is in us. It, 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 sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes I wake up about as spiritual as a head of cabbage. You know, I walk up and you see me in the morning, like I come in zombie, you know, because like, I got to have an encounter with Jehovah Java. <laughs> How many of you guys know God loves coffee, puts a book in the Bible about it called Hebrews. <laughs> All right, I won't do any more dad jokes. So when we look at normative New Testament Christianity, Acts 1, 8 says, you shall receive power to become a witness. Power to witness the things of God. In 1 Thessalonians 1, 5, Paul says, and we want to know how did Paul evangelize? Because maybe perhaps the Bible is a model of how we need to do things today. Right? Are you with me on that? Like maybe this is the manual that we need to look. How do we impact a culture today? And Paul's going to say when he comes to Thessalonica, when I came to you, I didn't come in word only. Now, now in America today, we're all teaching, teaching, teaching. Do we really need any more teaching? Right? Like we are so well fed. Maybe we should become outside instead of inside. Right? He says, he says, I didn't come to you in word only, but in power and the Holy Spirit. He's going to say in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, when I came to you, I didn't come in persuasive words of wisdom, but a demonstration of power. Now, that Greek word for power is called dunamis, and I love that word because Kittle's Theological Dictionary will tell me it's the ability to affect miracles. Now, just get over this, because sometimes I hear people say, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, I hear somebody say, well, the Holy Spirit's weird. Who is the Holy Spirit? He's the third person of the Trinity. He's not your weird Uncle Stanley. You know, he's the third person of the Trinity. So you're telling me that God is weird, or maybe you think it's weird that we super serve a supernatural God who lives within us. And when we get that revelation, because there's one thing I think the devil hates. He hates when people start to pray. You're not a threat in the kingdom if you're not praying and getting before the Lord. And I think the devil hates it when he realizes these signs shall follow those who believe. Then the warfare goes up. That's when it becomes awesome, right? It's awesome when people go, I just don't believe miracles exist today. And why does God do miracles overseas but not in America? I'm like, man, come to my church in Montana because sitting on the front row was Daniel Kine who would come in quadriplegic. And one day I came in, I didn't pray for her. I had these drunk natives that I had to take to a hotel. But I come in and her, her, her wheelchair is on the stage. I'm like, why is Danielle's wheelchair on the stage? Because Nick, she walked home tonight. I got, a guy, I got a guy who was deaf. It's so funny. Josh Garega, he had cochlear implants. Am I saying that right? He had doohickeys in his ear to make him hear. And Josh got his hearing back. I shared this yesterday because every time I see Josh, I'm like. And he'll be like, not that, Pastor Nick. I hear in Jesus' name. <laughs> So normative new Christian testament, Christianity is Christ in us. He is not, it's different from the old where the spirit of God would come on. It's part of the promise of the New Testament. I will put my spirit within you. 
And it's not a feeling or an emotion. I mean, I don't know how many times I'm in Hollywood, California doing evangelism. It's almost midnight. I just want to get back to the van. And these guys have pentagrams painted on their chest. And it says, Baal is God. And I'm just walking back. And these guys are like, leave us alone. Leave us alone. I'm like, uh-uh, he's coming after you because they acknowledge the spirit that's within me, not my human spirit. They acknowledge and they see Christ in us. And, and when we talk about Christ in us, we need to get that revelation that he empowers us with dunamis, the ability to affect miracles. You shall, right? See, power to become a witness, just not to speak in tongues. I love speaking in tongues. I was telling Pastor earlier, I was out with YWAM, and there's a point. I've never led anybody to Jesus praying in tongues, but I'm out and speaking in YWAM in Portland, Oregon. What a place. And, and this girl who is a cessationist doesn't believe in the gifts are for today, and, and she's out, and this guy comes up to her, an Arab man, speaks to her in Aramaic. She understands them, speaks back to them in Aramaic, and leads them to Jesus. I had to do about 15 minutes of debrief because he's coming back. Oh, Espiritu Santo, Cristo, glory, adios. Oh, Señor, oh, Señor, glory. I'm like, are you okay? <laughs> I go, what happened? And she's like, and it took me about 10 minutes. Like, you under, is that awesome? Come on, Jesus. So the first thing I want you to know what normative Christianity is when you're born again, you're out of the kingdom of darkness, you've been transferred to the kingdom of life and his spirit lives in us. Christ in us. So why, so many times I was reading a guy, Dietrich Bonhoeffer the other day and he's like, I'm just a sinner and we're all, and so sin conscious, but what would it look like if we weren't sin conscious but we were righteous conscious? Righteousness just means I'm in right standing with God. You're never gonna get any more righteous if you're born again than you are right now. I can't clean up the old, but what would it look like if I started, like, what does this new creation look like? And why did God call me in such a time as this? And what would it look like if I actually started to practice what God says in my life and not just thinking he does it for special people? Can I just say, if you're in Christ, he so loves you. He called you. He knew you before you were even born. So all his sheep can do this and hear the voice of God and operate in these things. John 10, 27 says, New Testament Christianity, my sheep. Any sheep here? Just go, bah. My sheep hear my voice. That's normative. Right? John 16, 13, who's talking about the Holy Spirit, says, when he, the Holy Spirit, comes, he will speak to you. The Holy Spirit will speak to you. He will guide you. He will tell you things to come. Isn't that awesome? That's what my Bible says. He will speak to you. You've got to learn how to identify how he speaks and how you're hearing him. You probably have already heard him because if you heard him at least once to get born again. So the Holy Spirit speaks to us. John 16, 13, the third person of the Trinity, when the spirit of truth, isn't that awesome? He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose what is to come to you. So number one, what does my Bible say? Normative New Testament Christianity. The Holy Spirit speaks, he will lead you and he will guide you. Is that awesome? I live by prophetic assignment. 
If I look at my life and how God has led me, it's not like, well, I'll just, I feel like doing this. I want to make sure because the last transition I made a year ago, we left a larger church to come take a church in North Carolina that is like we left a large church to take a church of 80 that was running a quarter million dollars upside down a year. In the natural, can I just say that was not an upgrade. Like, wow, Lord, I can't wait to do this. Can't wait to live my kids, my grandkids, influence to take this train wreck. Now, why would I do that? Because I've, I've had so many people go, the Lord is telling me this about you. This is the Lord. I had a conviction because God speaks. God speaks. And that's what John 16, 13 tells us. The Holy Spirit speaks. In 2 Peter 1, for no prophecies was ever made by an act of human men, but, God, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. So what does it mean to even prophesy? Because some people will say like Benjamin Warfield, a guy who wants to eliminate spiritual gifts out of the church many years ago, and he will say this. He will say, well, pro- prophecy is just teaching the word of God. Well, it can be because one of the ways we hear God's voice is through the Bible, but my Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, 25, when we give a prophetic word, the unbeliever will, and you'll know the secrets of his heart, they will fall down and acknowledge God is real. And I've seen that in my life. I've just seen people like, how do you know that? Oh my gosh, that is amazing, right? It's, it's awesome, right? Can I tell you? The significance, I just, the Lord just put this in my heart, but I was at a Foursquare convention in Dallas, remember that? And, and it, it, you know, how many people know that barbecue is from the Lord? Because it's Luke chapter 15, break out the fatted calf, singing to Mary, man. So we know barbecue is biblical, that's all I'm saying. I'm in Texas, which I think has some of the better brisket, and a pastor friend of mine who's pastors in Virginia, bro, do you want to get brisket? I mean, that's a done deal, right? So I'm getting brisket, and I'm, and I'm buffeting my body. I believe that, that's also biblical. <laughs> and I, I look, and, and across the street from the barbecue place is the coolest African-American lady I've ever seen. She has blonde hair, and there's a cigar shop there. She's smoking a cigar and drinking a glass of wine. And I'm just like, that lady is so cool. I just got to go meet her. So I come up to her, and I start giving her prophetic word. And so then the real reason I think the Lord had me there is outside of the cigar shop, there's these four young men in their 20s. They're cool. They got suits on, and they're smoking their cigars. Now, here where the risk came. I hear the Lord saying, Nick, I want you to go to that one in the middle and tell him his dad's in heaven. I'm like, I don't want to do that, right? So I come up and I go like, hey, man, I come on up. Uh, I'm a pastor. And sir, the Lord told me to tell you that your dad's in heaven. And this guy goes from like this to, to you know, how sometimes we cry, we get little tears. But no, it was a sobby, snotty one. She's like, <laughs> like this, right? And the guy next to him is like, are you doing psychology to him? Now, the reason he said that is the only box he could have that experience in. Are you with me on that? Like, that's got to be psychology. He goes, sir, how is that psychology? And when the guy gained composure, he's, and he's you know, wiping his face, he goes, he goes, my dad committed suicide six months ago. And every pastor that I've talked to that's in my life told me my dad's in hell. And you come out of nowhere and tell me my dad's in heaven. Do you think that was significant? I mean, do you think that was significant? Do you think that one word changed his life? But I want you to look on my side. I had to take a risk because to me, that felt a little, little awkward. It felt a little weird. It felt a little. So just get, get intimate with, with Uncle Stanley. Are you, are you right? <laughs> 
Get, get, you got to get intimate with the Holy Spirit because New Testament Christianity is operating in hearing the voice of God. Amos 3.7 says, God doesn't do anything without first revealing it to his friends, the servants, the prophets. Right? Now, what's the result of that? Old Testament, Moses, chapter, uh, Numbers 11.28. And, and in Numbers 11.28, the Holy Spirit, Moses, Joshua and Aaron are coming around Moses, and they're giving him direction. And, and in Numbers 11.28, and people are going down, and Joshua's like, hey, let me just deal with this. And Moses is going to say, are you jealous, Joshua, for my sake? Would that all the Lord's people were prophets and that he would put his spirit upon them. Have you ever seen that before? Moses is saying there's going to come a day where he's just not going to put his spirit upon it. Not that we can, that we can all hear his voice, that that's going to happen under this new and better covenant that we have, which is normative New Testament Christianity. So how does God speak, Right. Because it always cracks me up, and, and so it always cracks me up. We make assumption, right? Genesis 15, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. 2 Samuel 7, 4, and the same night the Lord came to Nathan, saying, 1 Kings 6, 11, the word of the Lord came to Solomon. Jeremiah 1, 2, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah. So what, I, that, and when I used to read that, I'm like, what does it mean like the word of the Lord came to these guys? Was it like, ding dong, word of the Lord for David? Or that, that maybe they, they were able, in the time they spent, able to discern the voice of God in their lives. Because my Bible says in Acts chapter 2, verse 17, and it shall be in the last days. Can we say shall be? This isn't a maybe, a child, but this is, these are the last days. We're 2,000 years into it, right? We're in the last days. I'm not going to get into, you know, people ask me in my eschatology, are you pre, post, mid? I'm a pan-tribber. It all pans out in the end. <laughs> Jesus is coming back. He's coming for me. I don't know about you, but I know he's coming for me. <laughs> he told me his, I'm his favorite, right? But it shall be in the last days that God will pour forth his spirit on all mankind. Now, what does that all mankind mean? It's not just the nation of Israel, but on the Gentiles as well. He's going to pour out his spirit upon men and women. Shall be your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Isn't that awesome, right? The, hey, ladies, one of the things you need to know, you shall prophesy. I, in my studies, it always cracks me up reading some of the uh, patristic fathers. They would say, they would equate some of the prophets to Philip's four daughters. Like, this guy's almost as anointed as Philip's four daughters. I'm not going to debate whether women can teach. I believe they can teach, preach, and pastor. But they, the Bible's really clear. You're, 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 you're going to prophesy. And I'll pour from my spirit and they shall see visions. And so how do we hear the voice of God, which is normative New Testament Christianity that we're empowered? Audible voice is probably the least productive way that we hear God's voice. I've only heard the voice of the Lord one time in my life. That was 22 years old. I just, I've fallen away from the Lord, came back, rededicated my life to the Lord. And I'm like, and I was in this place and I don't know how you feel about this, but I hated going to church because I felt like I was a poser. I felt if people really knew who I was, they wouldn't like me. And so, and I came into church like, Lord, I'm just going to go back into the world because at least in the world I could be myself. Now I've gotten past that because what you see, I'm the same way here as I am that's why my wife prays a lot. 
<laughs> She's a woman of faith. She married me. <laughs> I got to tell you a funny story. I, uh, there was a, like on our, on our honeymoon, I was talking to my wife like how much I love her and stuff. And she goes, well, you better because you're stuck with me now. <laughs> and I remind her, there was a day you chose me. You said in front of everybody, I choose Nick. I'm like, yes, you chose me. <laughs> you didn't get, know what you're getting into 34 years later. But God oftentimes speaks in the still, small, quiet voice. That's in 1 Kings chapter 12, just the gentle whisper. And this weekend, I, I'm coming back to some things I spoke over the weekend because I realized everybody's not here that was here in the weekend. But, but you got to be aware of that. That's how God speaks to me. His voice sounds a lot like my voice. It's, it, 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 is this God or is this me? Now, in New Testament Christianity, under this new normative Christianity, 1 Corinthians 13, 9 says, we know in part and we prophesy in part. So what does that mean? You don't always get the whole download. You know what I mean? Like when I, when I went up to that guy and all I heard was, tell me your dad is in heaven, that's all I got. I didn't have any other background. Wouldn't that have been nice? Right? It would have been nice if the Lord gave me, Lord, can you tell me why I'm going up and talking to this guy? Because it'd be really cool if you did. But he didn't. But I gave what I got. So give what you get. Does that make sense? I'm in Virginia, Salem, Virginia. I have a vision. A vision is a picture in your mind. And in that picture in, in, in my mind, I see a red brick house with white pillars and in black letters, 2439. A first-time visitor at this Pentecostal holiness church I was at, Right? I used to do their youth camps. It's so weird being from Southern California. Like, you know, you got like, you got like, I got to, like, I, I was like youth camp, right? So I had like shorts on and, the, and like, son, you got to put some pants on. <laughs> I'm like, if these le legs make anybody stumble, there's a big problem. <laughs> like these are, wow, there's some real sin issues on that. <laughs> <laughs> so I asked this guy who's a first time visitor I go sir does that make any sense to you he goes I live in a red brick house it has white pillars and the numbers on my address are 2439 now what's the probability of that because I quickly asked the Lord, Lord what are the winning lottery numbers for this week <laughs> I didn't do that but so I had to take a risk and I had to step out, so that still small voice is how God operates. Dreams and visions, and this is what I like about dreams and visions. The Bible says in, your, in the last days, your young men shall see visions and your old men will dream dreams, which I think, and I know there's a good God because now I can multitask, right? Dreams are just things you get, it, get while you're sleeping, but a vision happens in the daytime where you're seeing a picture or something along that line. And so, so you need to learn to capture these things, spontaneous, random thoughts that come upon your radar and, and, and take a step out. When I give a word, I'm always saying, Lord, I'm going to ask the person, does this make any sense to you? Right? And I say that because it, it's, the prophetic is a two-edged sword. It's going to bless you because you're hearing God. You're going to like, I heard God. That's so cool. Right? And it's going to bless the one in front of you because so many times you're seeing the one in front of you. And they're going to get emotional. They might start crying. But I've seen other people. I'm in like Pulse in Montana. I come into a barbecue place and, uh, with these Y-whammers. And I, I start doing my thing. And I go, ma'am, can I just pray over you? And she says, no. 
And for some reason, I didn't listen to her. And I just went right into that word. I, I don't do that very much. But I went right into that word. She goes, that was pretty good. She walks in the back, gets the cookout, and goes, do that to her. <laughs> right? See, see, when we start operating in normative New Testament Christianity power and, and, and not doing it weird, okay? You know what I'm saying? You might be weird. Just be you. You know what I'm saying? Just be you. Be naturally supernatural. You don't have to like, oh. <laughs> don't do that. Unless that's how you naturally do it. Are you with me on that? You're at Woodstock. You're seeing Joe Cocker, you know. Just be you. Don't do the... Don't do the weird, okay? Just be naturally supernatural because of, God, of who you are and the spirit of God's in you and do it with love. And why I say do it with love is, is in between 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 is 1 Corinthians 13. John Wesley. Now, you, any, anybody with a Methodist background? Because the early Methodists were crazy, crazy Pentecostals. I mean, Wesley is a guy named John Lavington, writes a book, The Bag on Wesley, and he records what's happening in Wesley's meetings. People were falling to the ground. People were shaking. Remember a group called the Quakers? Anybody remember George Fox? The Quakers are called the Friends Today. You know why they got the name Quakers? It wasn't because they invented oatmeal. They would start shaking, right? And they do all these things. That's John Wesley. That's, that's how those things operated in. Those, those things operated in. So just be naturally, be you. Don't get weird, okay? And, and realize that the power of God wants to flow through you because you are who you are, right? Lost my train of thought. Help me out, Rob. Where was I hitting on? She wasn't listening either. Okay. <laughs> So, so in this, you, you, you need to realize that when God empowers you, that, that however that's just be you, okay? Just be you. Don't be weird. Just be you, okay? And how God operates. But you're going to have to take a step. So God might speak in dreams, visions, spontaneous thoughts, but you can hear God. You just need to position yourself to be in that place. When God speaks to you, you can respond. Anybody want to grow in this? Yeah. Because in this place that we're at right now, if we want to affect culture, I believe ever there's a time we got to come back and say, Lord, I need to do the things that you speak clearly in this. And do it wisely. Like, I, I've, I've experienced the weird, right? And I've experienced the holy, and I've experienced the presence of God. And I want you guys to walk as normal Christians, to be a threat. As Mario Murillo once said, he goes, I, I'm the Christian the devil warned you about. Are you with me on that? I'm going to come on down and I want to pray over some of you guys today. And because I want to pray that when you leave this place, that you would, you would say, God, I'm going to implement what I've heard this week. Because information without application doesn't lead to transformation. Does that make sense? Like if you're a football player, you can watch all these training videos. You can watch films. You can watch tapes. But there's a day you've got to get out on the field and start hitting. Are you with me on that? And that's kind of what church does, right? Like we sit, we consume, right? But James says it's not the hearers, but the doers. And if you leave definition, 12-step meetings, and they have a saying, the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. And can I just say, how many people here have, are born again? You've asked Jesus in your heart, right? 
then the Lord's saying he's in you. He's in you. And my heart this weekend, like when I showed that video, is, is this. God can take ordinary people and do extraordinary things. He's a supernatural God. The very nature of who he is is miracles. Miracles. And some of us are like, well, God can't do that today. You're changing the nature of who God is. And I believe, and I'm anticipating this, ladies and gentlemen, I don't even watch the news anymore. I gave that up a long time ago. I don't want to be listening to the prince of the power of the air. I want to be listening to the king of all kings. I want to be listening to Jesus. And Acts 12 says there's no other name in heaven and earth which a man might be saved. But I want to start listening to the name of Jesus. The name that my Bible says demons tremble at the sound of his name. And I want, I want you to be so aware. God, why would you put me in this time? And if you're listening to the prince of the power there, you're like, well, this is hopeless. Oh my gosh, we're heading to civil war. No, we're going to head to one of the greatest revivals known by mankind. We are getting ready to see something that I pray and I think a lot about it. Because I was at the tail end of the Jesus movement. I was there in whatever you want to call 1994 was. Margaret Paloma writes a book called Modern Mystics. What, and I'm not going to, you know, Brownsville and all that. But out of that revival, six million people came to Jesus. I got a friend of mine named Leif Hetland. He's led one million Pakistanis to the Lord. I got a friend of mine named Mel Tari. He's led one and a half million people to Jesus. And I believe in this next move of God that people like us and the glory, the Shekinah, the Kavada God, it's not just going to be like a William Seymour. It's just not going to be on a person. It's going to affect the body of Christ so powerfully that, that just ordinary people, like you're going to get dreams and visions. I'm not going to get weird. I'm just going to tell you a Bible, but Philip was transported. I'm, I'm just, I'm just saying, like, you could be here preaching the word of God, and the Lord saying, man, time's so short, and I don't want you to have to pet, lay out $600 for a plane ticket. I'll just get you there. Boom, here I am. Right? You got to expand your boundary from the religious tradition, I'm a sinner saved by grace, which is true, and start getting that biblical perspective. I'm a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. Why did he call you? He called you out of the kingdom of darkness to bring you into his kingdom. And right now, as we talk, there's this cosmic battle between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. Daniel chapter 10, right? You know the story. Angel comes. Daniel, from the first moment you said to prayer, your prayers were heard in heaven. What was going on? There was warfare in the atmosphere. There's warfare going on in Memphis over that religious thing. But in this house, in this house, there's going to be an epicenter of revival and renewal in this house. People are going to come into this house and say, hey, man, you know what? I, my, my cousin, they, they, they were deaf. They, they start to hear. How did that happen? Because we serve an all-powerful God. The Hebrews called him in Exodus chapter 15. They called him Jehovah Rophe, the God who heals all my sickness and disease. To say God can't heal today is changing the nature of God. I am the God who heals all your sickness and disease. Amy Simple McPherson, the founder of this, is like, he's not the great I was, he's the great I am. In theology, it's called the telegramination. It upset the, the Pharisees when Jesus said, before Abraham, I am. And essentially, he's saying like, yeah, I'm the guy talking to Moses. I'm the guy talking to, I'm, I talk to Moses. 
I'm the I am who was laying down some information with Moses. And so I hope that you would walk out of this place saying, I'm, I'm tired of living in this atmosphere. Because whatever you feed the most will grow the most. You start sowing the spirit, you're going to harvest spirit. Turn off the news. You don't need to be listening to the critical news network. You don't need to be listening to that political stuff. As somebody yesterday asked me, whoa, about this. I'm like, I'm not political because my God is a king. He's not a politician. He's a sovereign. And when we talk about a kingdom, I, I was in Thailand and, and with YWAM and they train YWAM missionaries like this. They're going to tell you that they're going to train you because of what a king even looks like because we don't even get it, but he's sovereign. And a kingdom is where the king has domain. It's his kingdom. The king has domain. And so in YWAM, they're going to train you. Like if somebody comes up and goes, you know, the king and all this prostitution here in Phuket, he approves of this. What do you think? And you better say the king is a great man. You know, in, in, in Bangkok, five years ago, the king loosed his troops and they shot 2,000 of their own citizens. What do you think of the king? The king is a great man. Why would you have to say that? Because anybody who says a derogatory thing against the king gets a 60-year jail sentence. What do you think of the king? The king is a great man. Our king is the king of all kings. He's the Lord of all lords. We need to start getting kingdom-minded in this. We need to have a kingdom mindset. And in his kingdom, he gives us power because that's who he is. And he leaves us in Memphis. And he leaves me in Apex, North Carolina, because we are called to advance his kingdom in signs, wonders, and miracles that the lost will be found, that those are, that need deliverance will be delivered and set free, and they will proclaim. And we are going to come into one of the most pandemic. I love it in the natural that we have this pandemic thing. Only sometimes I think, and I'm not going to spiritualize this, where there's a pandemic the Lord is ready to get ready with his own pandemic pandemonium scratching across the world in preparation for Jesus coming back so father I thank you right now I want you to put your hands before the Lord right now Paul is going to tell Timothy this and this is an attitude found in first Timothy 4 14 and 15 do not neglect the spiritual gift that was given to you through the laying on the hands of the elders. Take pains with these things. Be absorbed in these things that your progress might be evident to all. Take pains. Yeah, okay. You know what that means? Pain is pain. Ladies and gentlemen, the days of comfort are over. It's time to get up. It's time to get up, take pains, be absorbed. I'm, I'm focusing on this, that your progress, what is that saying? Where you're starting off to know what, where you're going to end. If you, if you saw me 40 years ago, I, I had a bad stuttering problem. My youth group called me the pancake man. You know why they called me a pancake man? I get so nervous. My armpits would sweat every time I spoke. Now today, I just, I, today I just duct taped the depends on my arm. That's today. Come Holy Spirit. Keep your arms up. Sorry, sir. Father, download right now in the name of Jesus. Father, loose your Holy Spirit. Fill us up right now. Fill us up right now. Ma'am, you came in today and, and I just, I just, I, I, I heard the Lord speaking over your life. What a great word by Pastor Nick Goff. Thank you for staying and listening. Pastor Nick goes into a time where he's ministering to people individually and prophetically. I know that sometimes people can feel like, what about a word for me? Maybe if you didn't get one, you feel 
left out or you feel overlooked by God, but none of us are overlooked. Jesus said before he left that he was going to pray the Father that he would send the Holy Spirit and that he would live inside of each one of us and lead us and guide us and direct us into all truth and remind us of the things that Jesus said. And I want to remind you that we have God's word that we can open to. We have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. We're not left without any help. We have all the help that we need. Stay open to God. Stay open to the Holy Spirit and watch the awesome things that he does in your life. Hey, let me also encourage you that if you enjoyed this today, to hit the subscribe button so that you can get these messages anytime they come available. We really appreciate you and love you. God bless you today.